All right, guys, John chapter 4 is where we're headed here in just a second. John, again, that's chapter 4. I'll be starting at verse 31. For the last couple of weeks, we've been going through this series that's all about influence. Specifically, it's about your influence and your ability to impact the world around you. What we've been trying to communicate is that you do have influence as part of God's plan. We've been through a couple weeks of this. Week one was Upside Down Church, where we talked about skeptics questioning the goodness of Christianity. And since that's the case, what role do we play in trying to right some of that? And then week two, we talked about friends, that we have these relationships and that in them, our words mean so much and they impact those relationships. And then week three was family. Family was the idea that it's the most impactful, important relationship that we have and how much our families influence us, how much our upbringing influenced us. Week four was work. The idea there that you do have influence at work, at your jobs, you have the ability to use your faith to lead you to make impact on people and things that happen there. Last week, Pastor Mike looked at the world and what would the world look like? We're called to be salt and light in the world. What would the world look like if those things were removed? What's our influence on culture? And today we're, we're going to wrap up the series and we're looking at responsibility. Your and my responsibility to engage our faiths. As followers of Jesus, our influence isn't just something that we have, but it's something that requires us to be intentional to use well. And now I've said the word responsibility a couple times already. I don't want to scare you off with that word. Because most of the time when we use that responsibility, when we engage our faith in that way, we find ourselves blessed. We find ourselves getting benefits from engaging our faith. We find satisfaction in those sorts of things, as, as Jesus points out. And we're going to look at that today. But think about this. There are people around you, some that you know well and others that, that you don't know beyond just sight, and every one of them is being influenced by something. And if people are being influenced by something, why would we not want to take what the influence that we have seriously? Our friends are watching what we do. They're impacted by us. Our families are watching what we do, and they're impacted by us. People at work, our co-workers watch what we do, and they are impacted us. And guess what I'm going to say about the world? They watch what we do, and they're impacted by it. And again, if people are watching us and learning from us, why would we not want to take our impact intentionally? And frankly, do as I say and not as I do doesn't work anymore. We have to. To lean into this. So here's the big idea. It'll be on the screen behind me. You have influence. And you have a responsibility to engage it as part of God's plan. Now look, responsibility, I've, again, I've said that word a few times already. A lot of what I learned about responsibility growing up came from my parents. 
they taught me things like commitment. And when I make a commitment, I have a responsibility to see it through. They taught me things like timeliness. When I make a commitment to be somewhere, I have a responsibility to be there when I said I would be there. They taught me things like financial responsibility. When I make a commitment to pay for something, I have a responsibility to make good on that. These are are things that, again, I, I learned from my parents. I learned that when I got out of line, it was their responsibility to correct me. When I drove like a teenager, they knew it. They had a responsibility to make sure I did what I was supposed to be doing. I learned that when I thought my parents weren't looking, they had friends that were. And I learned that when I thought they weren't paying attention, they really, really, really were responsible for me and were attentive. Now that our boys are in their mid to late teens, I'm recognizing that they're learning some of the same stuff from us. A few years ago, our family bought a camper and we embraced something uh, that we'd never done in life and figured out how to, how to kind of disconnect how this place of solitude is kind of good for us. And I learned something else. I learned how to take a nap for the first time ever. <clears throat> and my sons learned that even when dad's laying in a hammock and napping and his eyes are closed, dad can hear you because it's dad's responsibility to make sure you behave. All these things require some intentionality. They require a level of learning, and then they require action on our parts so that the responsibilities that we have are seen through. The thing is that a lot of these responsibilities that I learned, that I recognize now that I've learned, I didn't realize I was learning them at the time. I was watching my parents do things and learning from them, and Jesus' followers really were no different than that. They hung out with Jesus all the time. He taught them. He hung out with them. He ate with them. He did all of these things with them all the time, and they didn't always get it. Today, we're going to look at one of those stories. This is one of those famous stories where Jesus had the interaction with the woman at the well. They had gotten into town, and Jesus had had sent the disciples to go find food. And they came back, and there was Jesus and the woman at the well having this interaction, and they were surprised by it. And she leaves to go tell people about what had just happened. See, Jesus' impact had influenced her. She goes and tells a bunch of people. Her influence then brings them all back. There's influence playing out. But the interaction with Jesus and the disciples as that situation folded out, unfolded was, was quite interesting. Again, I'm reading, I'm starting at verse 31 of John chapter 4. Meanwhile, the, 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 excuse me, I'm starting at verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. So while they didn't get everything, they were close enough to Jesus that they recognized he'd had this interaction with this woman and, and, and the interaction had drained him. 
Y'all, I'm sure y'all get it. There's, there's certain people, certain times we do things that it may not be somebody who's bad in our lives, but there's just situations that drain us. And those that are close to us can see it. They can see that you're tired. They can see that you have needs. The disciples recognize that. They recognize that Jesus had a need, and, and they said, Rabbi, eat something. It was awesome that they had just gone to go get food. And, but, it, but it keeps going. And he, he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. This is one of those perplexing statements of Jesus. It's one of those things that, that Jesus says that, that baffle us sometimes and definitely baffled his, his followers. And we know that because of what happened next. After he said that, we read that then his disciples said to each other, well, now wait a second. They're, they're talking to Jesus. He's, he's right there. This would be like two children talking to their parents about something, and their parents say, I've got a plan, and the kids turn and talk to one another about whatever mom and dad's plan is. So the, the disciples, are they could literally just ask Jesus, what are you talking about? But they were so confused, they, what's he, what is, did, did somebody else feed him? They started talking to one another about what was going on. Part of that is their humanity. Their, their inclination to lean into the logistics of life. Sometimes we're like that. Sometimes things happen that way. We, we get focused on these are the things that need to happen, and sometimes we miss the bigger picture. That's what, what they had going on. They were focused on the physical need. Not that physical needs are bad. Our, our, we need to take care of, of our physical needs, but Jesus was communicating a spiritual thing to them, and they did not see the forest. It went right over their head. We've, we've probably all been there. And I can't see the forest for the trees moment. They were having a major one. But of course, Jesus unpacks it for them. So again, his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? And here he starts to unpack it. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The rest of our time this morning before we transition to communion is going to be spent on exactly that. What, is that. what did he mean by my food is to do the will of him who sent me? Jesus first of all, is our example. He was the example for the, his disciples. He's our example also. And the first thing I want to say is that if Jesus was fed by doing God's will, we can expect the same thing in our lives. If we are engaging in God's will, we will find ourselves more satisfied, more, more content, more joyful in life simply by doing God's will. A lot of times we find ourselves the opposite of that. We find ourselves dissatisfied in various areas of our lives. And it leads to a snowball effect because dissatisfaction leads to chasing something. And that chasing something ultimately doesn't satisfy. And then we, we keep going. We chase the next thing and the next thing. And we have this snowball in life of things piling up where we're unhappy it's because we're chasing the wrong thing. And unmet goals lead to this empty feeling because we're not really doing what we're called to do. Y'all, this is the king of kings. 
And he's telling us that his greatest satisfaction in life is to accomplish the will of God. How often do we hear it? I I know I'm personally guilty, and I'm not going to ask anybody in here to raise their hand this morning, but have you you ever heard somebody say, I'm I'm just not being fed in church? That comment happens. I've I've heard it. Um, I know know there was a time in my life that, that I at least thought, I'm not getting what I need here kind of thing. And I want to push back on that and say, ask this question, could it be because you're expecting someone else to feed you? What Jesus said was, my food is to do the will. It took him taking action to be fed. If we simply sit at a table with our mouths open, there's no satisfaction Frankly, Jesus is teaching us that it takes our being engaged in God's will to find that satisfaction. The challenge this morning to you guys and to myself, if we find something that we want or need in our faith walk, there's things we need to understand about it being there's some onus on us to see it through. I'm going to put a list up behind me that first ones, you have a responsibility to engage if you want satisfaction. If you want to see something different, if you want to see something offered, if you want to see something change in your world, you have the influence to do it. And if, God's, if something's compelling you, if you feel like there's a specific thing going on that, that, that you're being called to, it could be God pushing you to use your influence to, and engage that thing. The third thing is that if you want to see something happen again, you have the influence to do it. And the last thing is this. Don't be surprised If you use that influence, if you find yourself blessed when you do engage. In fact, it could be your spiritual gifts, your God-given spiritual gifts. God gives gifts of the Holy Spirit to, to his followers when we commit to follow him, when we commit to that authentic relationship with him. He gives us a gift that and the, the purpose of those gifts is to make the church whole. So part of this is if we don't engage, there's a gap in the church. But part of it is, is the less we engage, the less opportunities there are to make an impact for Jesus. Without us engaging, it really negatively impacts. Jesus recognized the responsibility to do what God's will was. And in that, he found satisfaction. I want to tell you guys a story for just a second as we transition towards communion here in a few minutes the band's going to come up but I want to explain something about that I've experienced in life about being fed by God and how it changes everything um, my wife and I are, are are happy joyful to be a part of a uh, a retreat community in the, in the area and the the first time 
that you experience the retreat, you, you, you go on it, and then afterwards you get the chance to go back and serve. And as awesome as that event was for me, as awesome and enlightening and, and spiritually moving as it was for me, going back and serving others has impacted me far more than, than anything else. A few weeks ago during the, the message on work, I, t- I was talking to you guys and told you that at one point I, I challenged somebody in the church to, to help me grow, and they, they challenged me back that if I wanted to grow, I needed to engage. And it was in that that I, f- I found myself teaching a Bible study for the first time and for the first time ever satisfied with things going on in my life. And that satisfaction led to more satisfaction in other areas of my life. Being fed by God changes everything. That is what communion is about. I want to read you guys from Matthew chapter 26, the the narrative of the Last Supper. It said, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and then he had given thanks He broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. That covenant was a new covenant prior to Jesus establishing this, there was, there was the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and the, the system that existed really required the priests to be the one who, who engaged. They were really the ones who influenced others. Under this new covenant, we all have a role in the body of Christ, and we all have the ability to use our influence and make an impact. He said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for you, for, for out, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Pastor Mike talked earlier during the welcome about the, the sin loop. You have sin and repentance and sacrifice and restoration. And this thing that Jesus did was ultimate. It solved that. It's as we think about Christ and have gratitude towards him for the forgiveness of sin is absolutely something we need to think about. But the other part of this, what forgiveness of sin brings is freedom from sin. It's freedom to live. It's freedom to recognize God's will and that we have influence, that our lives have purpose to impact others for Christ. As we get ready for this next part of the service, I want you guys to reflect a few minutes. The band's going to start playing. Um, As we do communion, you guys reflect. Think about something. I'm going to give you something specific here in just a second to reflect on. But as as that that happens, the band's going to play. And once you've done some reflecting, you come forward and, and you'll get your elements or your family's elements. You go back to your seat and, and wait. We'll all take communion together, but the reflection is this. Is there something you're missing in doing God's will? Is there something he's calling you to do that would feed you? Our Father, Lord, we we ask that you use this moment 
Lord, we're grateful for this story and this message. Lord, we pray that you would illuminate areas in our lives where we could serve you, giving you the opportunity to bless us, to give us satisfaction and joy. Use this moment, Father. In your name we pray.
are indeed worthy. I pray that we remember that, that we reflect on that. We remember the sacrifice that covers us and frees us and allows us to live. Lord, help us reflect on that. Help us remember that and help us use our influence because you've given us that. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hey, Grace Community Church, I hope you guys have an amazing week. Don't need to keep on hiding I'm fully no hope